welcome to the Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dylan Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hey guys, what's up? And lovely Lori. Hello everyone. It's a lovely, lovely day today. It's beautiful. Love it. And on this episode, we are going to give you another King Kong review, this time Skull Island. Jackson, I'm I'm sure you're happy about this one. There's no love in this one this time around. Yeah, uh, (laughs) but uh, we'll actually get into that. Yes, we'll save that for the end of the episode. We also have, surprisingly, a lot of DC movie news to talk about. But before we get into that as well, we're going to talk about Disney. See, this is what happens when movie studios start to monopolize. You only talk about two movie studios. You just have Disney and Warner Brothers. Uh, So get used to it. (laughs) That's all the movie news (laughs) we're going to have for the rest of our lives. Um, Yeah. Anyways. going to die off. (laughs) uh, We have, yes, Disney theatrical release date changes. So we have Black Widow moves from May 7th to July 9th. And also, not only is it going to be in theaters, but... You could watch it on Disney Plus Premier Access. So like Mulan and Ray of the Last Dragon, you could watch that for $30 at home. Also, another one that you could do for the Premier Access is Cruella. Still going to be May 28th. And for some Marvel news, again, we have Shang-Chi moving from July to September 3rd of this year. I believe Black Widow uh, took this guy's spot. Yes. And they pushed him back just a couple months. Mm-hmm. Then we have Luca, that's from Pixar, moving to June 18th. Or I'm not sure if it was already still on that from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it yes. stays on June 18th, but exclusively only on Disney Plus for free, which we'll talk about that right now. I have some thoughts. And going over to Fox, we have Free Guy moving from May 21st to August 13th. That's with Ryan Reynolds stuck in a video game. We have The King's Man, the prequel to The Kingsman, moves from August 20th to December 2nd. And we have Deep Water, Ana de Armas, and Ben Affleck. That moves from August 13th to January 14th of next year, 2022. And... Death of the Nile, moving from September 17th to next year on February 11th. So yeah, we have, I mean, Fox is now owned by Disney. It's so weird to see that Death on the Nile is being released by Disney technically. Yeah. Like this is part of their theatrical release. It's so weird. Yeah, along with Deepwater, The Kingsman, and Free Guy, they were all under Fox. You know, fun fact, so was Garfield. The Garfield Bill Murray movies, those are now owned by Disney. Oh, I never watched the second one. Neither did I. No, I didn't either. The first one was enough. I didn't need two Garfields. Anyway, uh, Black Widow. (laughs) Yeah, get used to this. I'm saying right now, even when the pandemic's long and gone, I still feel like this format's going to be a lot familiar to everybody uh, by the time this becomes a regular thing, because Disney Plus is taking full advantage of their streaming service here. Well, they did say that they're planning on giving Shang-Chi a traditional theatrical release. That they're not they're planning to not put it on Premier Access or Disney Plus or anything. I think Luca is going to be the last one. Well, they said that about Black Widow, so I'm not too sure. I mean, I'm hoping yeah. everything goes back to normal, but I really think that Disney Plus Premier Access is going to be a regular thing. I think they might go down on the price though, only because they are up charging their subscription fee 
Mm, yeah. 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 Also, They'll go down on the price after that. Yeah. I think the only reason why the, it's the price it is already is because, like, these are family movies. You know, instead of taking the whole family to the theater and paying 15 bucks a person, now if you have, like, a family of four, it's only seven bucks a person, six and some change yeah. or something. I feel like out of all these movies, Luca's the most family movie of them all. And that one Absolutely. is and that one's free on Disney Plus, which I raised the question of how is Pixar even going to be functioning at this point if they continue releasing Pixar movies for free on their streaming service cuz they did it with Soul as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Onward. They did. Gr- granted Onward was a casualty of the pandemic, but they could have taken that opportunity and was like, "Well, you didn't pay us in the theater, so you can pay us now on Disney, but uh, they didn't do that, interestingly enough. Yeah, I find it really weird that they're doing the premiere access for Corella and Black Widow, but not Luca. Like, why not charge it? See, I would rather if I had to if I had to pay thirty dollars for two of the three, I would rather pay thirty for Luca than Cruella. Yeah, Lori, your your uh, perspective on this? I mean, you, like, you're pretty much you're kind of more the demographic here that they're targeting more than me and Jackson. Yeah, absolutely. I am a family of four. Um, and talking about the ticket prices, yeah, that that's you know sixty bucks, and that's not even getting into concessions, which is which are outrageous when you get there. But I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned Cruella, you mentioned Black Widow, and you mentioned Luca, but Luca's the only animated one. Yeah, yeah, coming from Pixar, so I don't know. I mean, so do you think it has something to do with their animation? I think it's because of the rating. I mean, it's good for the consumer, for sure. It really I'm is. I'm just thinking about like the filmmakers behind the movie and how that works, the relationship between Disney and Pixar. I know, I know. I, and I'm thinking about that now. I'm thinking about, okay, what is the correlation? These live actions, of course, they're going to continue to do these premiere accesses for, but I'm wondering if it's because of they're animated and that's why they're putting them out like that. It may be the rating, maybe because do we know what Cruella's rated? Is that PG thirteen as well? It has to be PG because Black Widow's PG thirteen superhero Marvel movie, you know, yeah. and then Cruella, whether it's PG or PG thirteen or not, it's going for a darker tone. It's PG thirteen. See, yeah, there you go. I was gonna say as soon as I saw the preview, I'm like, that thing's PG thirteen. Hmm. So with Luca, maybe they're trying to get instead of uh, like amount of money. They're trying to get more subscribers. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Well, yeah. Cause they're cause technically that's... offering Luca here for just eight bucks instead of 38 with Cruella and Black Widow. Okay, I've had these arguments and these conversations like when I'm looking at bills and things like that and the one bill out of all of it because now we've gone from, you know, yeah, everybody's like, okay, no you, no cable anymore but now you need these streaming services to watch what you need to watch and the one thing that I can never stop paying is the Disney subscription because of my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the one thing. I would have to cut out Netflix before I cut out Disney, because my children watch that more than anything. And they know that. They do. Oh, my gosh. I can I can never stop it. I can never stop it. Or I will have, you know, I have those nightmares where I imagine my kids coming and smothering me with a pillow in the night because they didn't get to watch Luca, you know? <laughs> yeah. Aren't they already at like 100 million? Like, where are you right now in terms of how many subscriptions do you have? Oh, my gosh. 
I have Hulu. I have Netflix. I have Amazon Prime. I have Disney Plus. I have Voodoo. I have Crackle. I have. <laughs> wow. I haven't heard of that yeah. one. Yeah, Crackle. Uh, Doesn't that have I, like the Jim Belushi documentary on it or something? Yes. How and was Did you watch that? I did. Real s- quick sidebar. How was it? <laughs> I loved it. But the thing about it is, is I'm fascinated with him anyway. Uh, I want I have the original book that was written uh, uh, his uh, autobiography uh, or his biography because he, you know, he was passed away whenever they wrote it, of course. But it's by the same one who wrote. Oh, gosh. Why is it? escaping me now robert redford and dustin hoffman were in the movie about watergate with richard nixon they were oh frosty played... nixon no this was a the original one the older oh. one uh with robert a young robert redford and a young dustin hoffman ah why is the name eluding me right now i can't remember the name of this movie uh but anyway the they based it on this writer's all the president's men all the president's men was it all the president's men 1976, Robert Redford, yes. uh, Dustin Hoffman. All the President's Men. Yes, it was All the President's Men. And they based it off of uh, the author. And his name's escaping me right now, too. But he wrote the biography for John Belushi as well. He was a really prolific in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was a very prolific writer. They based a lot. Like, they were very accurate in the documentary with the original book that I had read read about his death and his life and his career and everything else. I was so into James James Belushi at one point. Jim Belushi. Sorry. Uh, John Belushi why do I keep saying his brother's name? I was so into John Belushi at one point that I actually, uh, for Christmas one year, uh, my late husband, Randy, uh, found the original script online for the movie that he was writing with Dan Aykroyd when he passed away. And it was called Noble Rot. And I had read in the book right before he died that he was working on this movie, working on the script called noble rot and that's why he was out in the wine country so much and all this other stuff and i became i became obsessed with what that movie would have been and my late husband actually found me a a copy of the script online it was like you know that he had an archive he had a research for it but he found it printed it out for me and he put it in a little binder so i could read uh john belushi's last movie that he was writing when dan that is so sweet yeah you can also watch that john Belushi documentary on Hulu as well. It's on there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But several streaming sites. I I am subscribing to so many at this point. And even on their phones and their laptops, their tablets, their iPads, whenever we're going on trips and wherever we're going to drive somewhere. I even have HBO. I have an HBO subscription and they have HBO Max on everything, downloaded on everything. I wow. Mean, it's crazy. It's cable 2.0. That's all this is. Cable's dying, and this is the new cable. You add up everything that I'm paying for my streaming services, though, and it adds up to a month's bill of cable. The whole appeal of Netflix in the first place is that everything was on it, and you didn't have to pay the cable bill. Now we're back at square one. We're exactly back at square one, which I knew was going to happen. I everyone saw what Netflix is doing, and they're like, "Let's do that," and we're back. Ah. Man. We're back to square one. Now there are things that you're not going to be able to watch without Paramount Plus. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like all SpongeBob stuff, I'm sure, is going to be on there for forever now. Absolutely. This is why I always encourage people to buy physical media. So that yes. way you, you have it physically with you and no one's going to take it away from you. But when you when you rely on these streaming services or anything online, that's when you run the chance of it getting taken away from you or being altered. 
because now they don't have to charge $30 for a new DVD. They can just upload the new version whenever they want. They can damage control so much sooner than they used to be able to. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we always kind of come back to this conversation with streaming services because it, it, it's really just... Well, about censorship, yeah. Yes, yeah, censorship, yes. There's the slippery slope, but I think if people just take the right steps and don't just immediately go for uh, revisionist history, then I think we'll be okay. But uh, it's, it's always interesting that we always loop back to this conversation and how we always like, we always have to look at this in an analytical way. Like, why are they doing, why are they changing the way that they're structuring their releases? You know, Black Widow's pushback only two months, but they thought that they would rather get the money from the theater, more money from the theater, and they're having their cake and eating it too. I don't know why they're even moving it two months if they're going to do the same strategy that they did before. Because Biden said maybe we can have a proper July 4th, and this is, what, a couple days after? Yeah. It's it's a week after July 4th when everything should be back to normal. So a week later, of course we'll be back to normal by then. That's why they did it. Yeah. And, you know, also a huge thing you have to keep in mind is look at how many movie theaters went under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many movie theaters went under, and I think that that's another huge thing. Uh, didn't we just read that Alamo Draft House had a file for bankruptcy? Yeah, yeah. They it's more of a restructuring thing. I read a couple articles about it, and I read their statements like, "We're not going anywhere. We're just fixing a couple things." Um, they only closed one Austin location and one in New Braunfels, I think. Yeah, luckily the one in Corpus stayed open. Oh my god, dude, if they closed that one, I would have been devastated. I had just we had just gotten it and they're going to take it away from me already. That would have been <laughs> devastating. Well, the one in Corpus did stay open, but every time I drive by there, there are two cars. Mhm. Yeah, it's pretty sad right now. It is. Yeah, nobody is going to the theaters. L- luckily right now. for me, I've been going to the movies for well, I guess uh, nobody judge me, but <laughs> I've been going to the <laughs> movies this entire time. But nobody's ever there. So I can watch movies like Nomadland or Minari and not have anybody in the theater. I mean, again, it's good for me, not good for the business. But right now I've been having the time of my life at the theater. I get why the other ones are being pushed back. Uh, I, I feel like studios right now, like even competing studios are starting to shuffle their movies so that we could like kind of line up in a good way. I think it's more so just waiting for more people to get vaccinated because it's really, I think the culture around everything has changed. Like, look, we just got to get through this. We just have this final stretch and just please behave for this final stretch. <laughs> and so I think it's more so begrudging, <laughs> like, okay, we'll, we'll do it. We'll get vaccinated and then we'll wait so that we are, will you be happy then Biden? I think that's kind of the attitude. Um, yeah. But hey, whatever keeps people safer is all right by me. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. We shall see how this all plays out. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see Disney's numbers if they even release them. And that's the thing too; they don't have to, especially when they it comes said that to Falcon Disney and the Plus. Winter Soldier was their biggest breakout for a show. Was it? But though, they didn't provide by, any numbers by their own numbers. But you, yeah, that mm-hmm. that can't you you can't go based off of what they say. You really mm-hmm. can't. They could say anything. Kind of like how Netflix has their top 10. Like, is it really their top 10 or are they just promoting it? Because like five, at least five out of the top 10 are Netflix originals every single time. At least you have TV ratings, like analytical companies. They're keeping an eye on television shows. That's why you come up with, oh, this is where the ratings were for a certain premiere season. They're doing their best. 
and then also their best in the theaters you go based off box office numbers that's how you determine what's really number one but when disney comes out and says falcon winter soldier was the most streaming show since the beginning of time and do should we believe it i don't look everybody's watching it yeah, could you imagine if they held the music industry to the same standard? Like if there became like one music produ- you know, company. But yeah, like I'm the greatest singer in the world. This is the largest selling album that's ever been released. And I, I don't have to show you any numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just believe me. That's how Disney comes across. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, we shall see. Disney is king. All uh, <laughs> <laughs> hell Disney. Let's move on to the other only movie studio in the world uh warner brothers (laughs) they seem to be doing a little bit of course correcting here Uh, we'll talk about a few of these articles that came out and then we'll lead into a interview with one of their ceos so let's talk about blue beetle and zatanna they're both in development according to the rap director angel manuel soto is set to helm dc's first superhero movie starring a latino character blue beetle Warner Brothers and DC Films aim to start production in the fall. And as a Variety exclusive, Emerald Fennell, the Oscar-nominated director of Promising Young Woman, is tapped to write Zatanna. The DC Comics heroine is set to be released theatrically through J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot. Though an actress has yet to be casted for The Powerful Magician, this will be the character's live-action debut. So... We're getting some diversity and some a little bit more representation in these mm-hmm. superhero movies. Not coming from Marvel, which I find a little surprising. Although they're kind of doing the same thing they're doing uh, with Shang-Chi, you know, an Asian lead. And also mm-hmm. Black Widow coming out a I little bit later. I think that's the best. It's, I, I think uh, it's not. It's very easy to be like, oh, diversity. They're cashing in on that. But I think it's best when you have people who are knowledgeable in the culture and everything doing shows and movies about these Latino or f- women characters, you know? It's always best when a woman writes a woman, and it's always best when, you know, Latinos write Latinos instead of having old white men write stories for them. Of course, you get, like, the good ones, like, y- you know, like, everyone brings up Alien and Terminator, uh, past female leads written by white guys. But, I mean, more often than not, you know, and I think this is just a win-win all around. Yeah. You have to also consider the fact that, especially with Alien and Aliens, Sigourney Weaver was a force to be reckoned with. I oh, mean, God, Yale, yes. Yale drama. She wasn't this frivolous girl who walked onto the set. And you got to hand it to the directors of that and the, the people who cast her in that role. You know, she wasn't this quiet little actress who came on set and she put a lot of herself into that character. And she was really vocal with the director and with them on the direction that Ripley should go in. So I, I'm not sure you could sit there and be like, oh, well, you have these exemptions where they wrote this perfect role for this woman. I was like, you mm-hmm. have to remember that she uh, she made a lot of that character what it was. And other actress put in that role and it wouldn't have been the same character well ripley wasn't even written as a woman to begin with they casted that's that makes it even all the better mm-hmm. speaking of really scott i read an article about sean young who was in the blade runner movies and also many other movies love her uh actually she i think she was in the running to be that part as well but i think they dated ripley scott or i think no sean gunn actually rejected Ridley Scott's like not advances sounds wrong but like an opportunity to date him 
And when she rejected him, she he kind of like gave her the old stiff arm. And when they were when she got came back to play her part in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, well, it was actually her. They just like de-aged her. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, Scott did, wasn't like the best with her. Like uh, I think she said he she he told her to like off at one point. <laughs> Jeez, man. So really, I don't know. Yeah, Sean Young. Uh, but here's the thing about Sean Young. You know, she went kind of a little off the deep end whenever they were casting for Catwoman. Tim Burton and her had a huge problem as well. Ooh. Because the, he he said it was obsessive and almost, you know, too much. She went on talk shows around the time they were casting for it, dressed as Catwoman to convince the world that she was Catwoman. Yeah, oh, wow. that's trying too hard. <laughs> it, you need to, if you haven't seen the YouTube interview, see it. And you're like, what is going on? Are we seeing psychos- a psychosis meltdown? Love Michelle Pfeiffer, but Sean Young is Catwoman. I, I could see that as well. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, it it was it was something else, but yeah, they said that absolutely she was never considered. She was campaigning for herself, and they said that Tim Tim Burton was just so very against it because of the um, aggressiveness of her campaign. I guess. Yeah. So. Going back to promising young woman here, uh, Emerald Fennel. I'm surprised she's only writing the movie. I thought she would be on to direct it as well. Now maybe it's a scheduling conflict where she can't be there to direct only to write but i think right now what they're doing is they're hiring talent and the upcoming stories we'll talk about later you can see that dc right now is really putting their money into quality when it comes to their upcoming movies yeah they definitely are also i might have a chance at playing blue beetle i'm gonna go audition right now <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> finally right. opportunities no i'm pretty sure they already casted someone because they're about to they're already gonna shoot in the fall yeah in the fall damn it I was going to say, just dress as Blue Beetle every single day. Go in as many shows as you can. Say, I am Blue Beetle. I'm going to paint myself blue like Tobias <laughs> from Arrested Development. <laughs> and just and walk- wear like a, a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle backpack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just walk around saying, hire me, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, good, good on DC for uh, hiring... Uh, quality and uh, those that are represented with their characters. Oh, another thing I want to point out too is J.J. Abrams already coming in. I feel like right yeah, now... Uh, it's the production. Uh, so who knows how much he's going to have an involvement with. I hope not too much. Well, I feel like right now they're looking at J.J. Abrams to kind of shepherd this new direction they're going in. That didn't work for Star Wars. They're taking a chance right now, and I feel like right now they're kind of, they don't really have a lot of options. I mean, they tried with Zack Snyder, and look how that went out. So right now, I don't really see... Well, their first problem was trusting Zack Snyder with the whole franchise. But like right now, like back in the 80s, like you had people like Steven Spielberg to go to to put a name on your movie to sell. And I feel like right now, that's kind of like with the whole, the A-list actor, those aren't really enough to kind of sell a movie anymore. Right now, I'm looking around like who else in terms of producing can you put on for these big franchises? So I think right now they have no choice but to go with J.J. Abrams. People are caring more and more about the production behind it instead of just who's going to be in it. People are actually starting to care. I I think that's why they're looking for a name to put on it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to 
Another DC property here, we have Deadline reporting that Academy Award-winning actress Helen Mirren has closed the deal to play the main antagonist in New Line Cinema and DC Films Shazam! Fury of the Gods. The comic book movie sequel will bring back Zachary Levi to reprise his heroic role and David F. Sandberg returning to direct. Also signed on to the cast is Rachel Zelger, who will be making her film debut in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Helen Mirren will portray Hespira, a daughter of Atlas. And currently, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is slated to release on June 2nd, 2023. They're so, telling us about this movie two years in advance. Yeah, they're, they're getting the hype train going already. And mm-hmm. I kind of know why, but we'll talk about that later. But Helen Mirren, you always want to... Like, when you add, when you add class to a movie, especially with these genre movies, you can't help but get excited. You know, you're, again, you're adding quality to your own film. Exactly like you said, when you get Helen Mirren, a class act, in a superhero movie that Scorsese has, which he has his thoughts on everything, but I think that just, uh, it's only a good thing. Oh my gosh, I love Helen Miram. I don't have any stories, but oh my gosh, I, I've loved her since I first saw her back in um, Excalibur. And recently, maybe about a year ago, I saw her in Caligula. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that movie. I've heard of it. So much nudity. So much nudity. Because if you're going to do a movie about, you know, the Roman Emperor Caligula, it has to be. Because that's, you know, the Botry and Caligula are one and the same. Uh, but she was actually in that movie as well. And a young Helen Mir- Miram in one of those roles. I mean, she, even back then, she just, she's just a scene stealer all the way around. I just adore her. So she's no stranger to, like, mythological movies already. She She's already... no. Okay, that's cool. She's, it's kind of like her coming back into her early career. Okay, great. Feels like home. Yeah. And I really, I think they used her a lot in those movies like that, like Excalibur and, and, and Caligula, uh, because of her presence. There's just such a, I'm not surprised, you know, because she does have like an etherealness and a, a, I'm not surprised she's cast as a god. Kind of like how Kate Blanchett and, uh, oh, uh, Liv Taylor for uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm also glad that David F. Sandberg is coming back to direct yes. the sequel. I'm I'm excited in general for a Shazam two movie. I am too. I love the first one so much. Mm-hmm. Like I said on my rewatch, I loved. I start. I'm, I'm now a fan of this franchise, and now I can't wait to see, especially with uh, Rachel Zelger. That's right. Yeah, and she'll be Dude, playing she, Maria. That movie hasn't even come out yet, and she's already like this is her second movie. And it's, again, another big movie. Insane mm-hmm. career start. I can't wait to see what she does next. Yeah. Her, she's not. Is she already graduated from high school? Because I know when she was casted, mm-hmm. she was in high school, correct? Yeah, but she's graduated now. Yeah, but imagine that. Like, you're coming off of high school, and you're already casted in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, and then your second oh movie is in a comic book franchise. Blessed. She is blessed. Dude. Definitely. Okay, well, good on her. And I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> aren't we all? I did some films while I was still in high school. <laughs> of course, nobody can watch them. You know, the FBI has to, you know, <laughs> something about legal age stuff. I don't know. <laughs> and speaking of adding class to your movie, 
making his debut into the comic book superhero genre, we have Pierce Brosnan, and he has nabbed the role of classic hero Dr. Fate. The former James Bond will be acting opposite of Dwayne Johnson in New Line Cinema's Black Adam. Brosnan will play Kent Nelson, a son of an archaeologist who was taught sorcery skills and given the magical helmet of fate. Already suited up in the DC anti-hero movies, cast are Aldous Hodge as Hawkman, Noah Centino as Adam Smasher, and Quintessa Swindle as Cyclone. The Shazam spinoff is set to begin production in April. Pierce Brosnan has aged beautifully. This man has always been handsome his whole life. That is not fair. <laughs> and now they're blessed. It's Noah Centineo is uh, a surprising choice because the internet has a weird obsession with him. Have you? Do you guys know about him? Know much about him? All I know is no, that I he don't. was in a Netflix movie, right? Yeah, he's in a bunch of Netflix movies, and all of his movies are like bad, except for one of them, which is oh. okay. From what I've heard, I haven't watched them because they're. I've heard they're all terrible. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, uh, he's a weird dude online as well. He's kind of like this. He says stuff that he like tries to be deep, but it's like, dude, what are you saying? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna be interesting to see. He's also in was cast in the, in a movie that's already being made about the GameStop stock situation. <laughs> I think Hulu picked him up for that or something. But remember when this movie was supposed to come out before Shazam? I didn't know that. Yeah, this movie was supposed to come out before Shazam. Oh yeah, this movie has been in like pre production or whatever since for many years already. I think since like BVS, we've known about Black Adam, and it's like, all right, first Black Adam, then we're gonna get Shazam. Yeah, and I'm kind of like eating my own hat again here because I remember talking about the first Shazam movie and saying how why didn't they just put The Rock in that one movie if Black Adam was never going to get made. But now like Shazam already a spinoff of its own franchise. This is a spinoff of that spinoff. And look how they're kind of building the world already. I mean, they have a lot of catching up to do, but look at the cast already. What we have here is so diverse and quite a few well-known characters in uh the dc comics already i Mm -hmm. I don't know too much about adam smasher or cyclone but the other three uh those are going to be very popular draws for this movie you've got noah centineo who's hip with the kids you've got (laughs) the rock who is like the biggest movie star in the world and then you've got pierce brosnan a former james bond already and then you have two other great actors like this movie is going to be great how can it fail (laughs) <laughs> insert that clip whenever it like gets a 50 on Rotten Tomatoes they they called it the ship of dreams and it was it really was <laughs> when we review this movie I'll play back this audio Jackson just for you <laughs> I won't listen to it until it comes out so that would be like oh I said that <laughs> uh. Uh, but as far as the cast goes heavily talented so yeah I'm, I'm game for it and the Rock himself has been very passionate about this project. If he's pumped for it, so am I. Yeah, his enthusiasm for this has carried throughout the years. Like, I haven't seen any dwindling support from this. So he's super passionate. And when he has that passion behind something, it's it's always good. So I can't wait to see how this movie turns out. Yeah, and then when this character and Shazam, they collide. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's going to be a good buildup. I can't wait. Yes, it is. So move on to some more DC news. 
In a recent interview with Variety, Warner Media Studio CEO and Sarnoff talked about the state of the DCEU and the new directions it will take, while shutting down the idea of giving director David Ayer the chance to fulfill his true vision of the first Suicide Squad movie, Sarnoff also confirms that Zack Snyder's Justice League was the completion of his trilogy. And when asked about the toxic side of the Snyder Cut fandom, she states that behavior is reprehensible, it's completely unacceptable, and she is very disappointed in the fans that have chosen to go to that negative place with regard to DC, with regard to some of our executives. So I'm not sure, I'm, I'm sure you are, Jackson, of the toxic fandom that is the Snyder cult. Lori, but just to give you like a very quick like context here, I, I saw this for myself. There was a tweet that Warner Brothers on their Twitter had sent out giving their condolences to a certain filmmaker. I wasn't sure if it was an actor or a director, but that person had done significant work for Warner Brothers. So they they put out a photo saying, you know, we're sorry for the passing of this person. And all the tweets replying to that specific tweet was just release the Snyder Cut, release the Snyder Cut. Just the disrespect that this fandom, this side of the fandom has been giving to the studio. It's really the definition of toxic. And I'm so glad a CEO finally kind of denounced their behavior. And I think it's good. I think right now what she did was she kind of put the nail in the coffin saying, hey, we gave you what you wanted, even though I don't think they should have. But we're moving in a new direction. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you basically said it all. I, I, what she says basically says everything. We, we don't really have much to talk about in terms of this. It's like, well, that that's it. That That's really it. Yeah. They, they just really want to move past it. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I know right now, I know, uh, Jackson, I told you this earlier, but, you know, don't be surprised when you give a mouse a cookie, it's going to ask for milk. And that's exactly what they did when they did the Snyder Cut. And and I'm so happy for Zack Snyder that he got to complete his true vision. You know, that's a dream for any filmmaker to kind of come back to a project you had to abandon under very terrible circumstances. But with that, I think the fandom kind of relit their own candles saying, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. And they're asking for way more than the studio had intended to give. And And I'm happy this interview came out. And also it's very... You see this in Hollywood a lot. It's no coincidence that last week, the Snyder Cut came out. It's going to appease that certain demographic of fans. And then this week, we get flooded with positive DC news when it comes to casting, things that are in development, and a trailer. I think right now, and on top of that, this interview from a CEO, I think right now what they're doing is kind of burying what just came out and trying to start new start fresh yeah yeah and that's why you see like articles like we got variety deadline the rap all these news outlets getting exclusive news and you see that a lot where studios kind of give out these certain stories to different articles or news outlets and uh, i think it was strategic the way they did it um and it was smart yeah as soon as the snatter cut came out they gave it like a couple days three days and then All right, here's what we've got going forward. The Suicide Squad trailer from writer-director James Gunn comes Warner Brothers Pictures' superhero action-adventure The Suicide Squad, featuring a collection of the most degenerate delinquents in the DC lineup. Heavily armed and dropped on a remote 
enemy-infested island, a group of supervillains known as Task Force X are forced to trek through the jungle on a search-and-destroy mission. One wrong move from any of these rogues and they're dead. The returning cast are Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, and Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. Joining the sequel is Idris Elba as Bloodsport, John Cena as Peacemaker, the talents of Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark, and many more. The Suicide Squad arrives in theaters and exclusively streaming on HBO Max on August 6th. So all these articles we've been talking about or news, it's all talk from DC. But now we actually get to see a trailer for an actual product coming out. And I'm very excited about this movie. What a trailer. That was great. I loved this trailer. Yeah, we're finally getting some liveliness into these movies even compare this trailer to the first suicide squad trailer back in 2016 man it's like blood was pumped into it (laughs) i'm very excited for james gunn and all these characters specifically king shark voiced by sylvester stallone i had no idea this whole time i thought taika went tv i'm a shark (laughs) and i'm gonna gonna eat you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love how he says nom nom. Really excited. Yeah, he says nom nom before grabbing someone and eating him. So we saw the red band trailer, and it's it's great. And if that's only a taste of what we're gonna get. Oh my god, dude! The thing I keep coming back to is that shot of King Shark ripping someone in half vertically. Oh yeah, dude! It's oh be- my god, beautiful. There are some fag- magnificent shots in just this trailer. I can't wait to see what else the movie has. I, I I can't. I'm so excited for this. Yeah, this is a taste of the new direction that Warner Brothers is going with when it comes to DC. I'm all for it. You know, and, and you know what? It's people were afraid that they would kind of marvel their way around it, like they would try to make it jokey, make it more lighthearted than it needs to be. I feel like. What they could take advantage here of is being gritty in the right way. Like, this is gritty. That's exactly what's going to happen because James Gunn over the summer said that he only signed on to this movie. Like, he agreed to do this because Warner Brothers said that he could kill off any character he wanted. That includes Harley Quinn. They're not going to do that. And he also said that only two people from the cast are left alive at the end of the movie. Harley Quinn and King Shark. But Peacemaker has his own show. But I think that's a prequel show. Oh, is it? I think it is. I really mm. think it is. I, I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's a prequel. That's. Mm, I, it's going to be really interesting to see who winds up surviving. I'm already in love with King Shark. I can't imagine them oh my killing God. him off. How can you yeah. kill off Sylvester Stallone? How? You can't. Lori, did you watch this trailer? And is your son excited for it? I have not seen the trailer Lori, yet. No, Lori. I don't think my son has either. Watch Lori, it right now. Watch it right get, now. Get him on the couch. Watch it right now. Yeah. All right. So we're back and we took a small break so Lori could see the Suicide Squad trailer for the first time. Lori, what did you think? It looks great. <laughs> oh, my God. I want the process. I know. <laughs> I know. I want to watch it again, but... Yeah, I I did. Like, the first time I was like, oh, dude. 
I can't believe how on I was about the Sylvester Stallone part. I think I hit the nail on the head before I even saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Num num head. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the version of, this is like their version of Groot. Yeah. Yeah. King Shark's not going to say much, but when he does, it's going to be funny. Can he say, please, I just wanted to say Adrian once. <laughs> <laughs> is the guy in the yellow shirt, is that uh, Joel Kinnaman or is that Nathan Fillion? No, that's Joel uh, Kinnaman. Okay, I thought that was Nathan Fillion because I know he's in this movie and I was like, he looks really skinny for Nathan Fillion. <laughs> no, Nathan Fillion's in the movie. He was in the trailer, but yeah, he's not here. I'm pretty sure okay. he's going to be one of the, the ones to die. Lori, don't get attached to any of these characters because they can be off at any point in time i already am except king shark he is not gonna die i swear if he does i'm gonna be pissed i'm good with them killing john cena <laughs> <laughs> me too I oh my i can't wait no guys i've been saying this i love john cena as an actor and i think he's gonna steal the show here i think he's a lot right. of people are gonna be impressed by what he does Mm. You know that line that they used in the Red Band trailer? Best line he had. The penis one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows why mad men do what they do? I guarantee you. There's going to be more of that. Words, I guarantee you that was the best one. Oh. Maybe that's why they used I it. I want to bet trailer. on this. I'm going to bet on this. <laughs> I know. Let's bet on this. But I'm Five very... bucks. Five bucks. All right. That's it. At the end, there's a kaiju, big old monster. It's a big giant starfish with an eyeball in the middle. Uh, Starro. I think is what he's called. Aiden was so excited when he saw that. I was just like, oh my God. I just love how zany they're going for this movie. Like they're going all out with this movie. Like this one, Shazam 2 and uh, Black Adam, they're all getting like super crazy. Like Pierce Brosnan is is the son of an archaeologist and he has the helmet of the gods. They're like, that's something straight out of a comic. We're finally getting goofy comic book movies and we're getting fun. We're getting zany. And this is exactly what I've been wanting. They've been trying to catch up for so long in so many ways with Marvel. And one of them was finally embracing their roots in comics. It's wacky. It's crazy. It, It sometimes doesn't make sense. And that's what makes it even mm. better. If I'm watching a comic book movie, I want to watch something that feels like a comic book. I don't want dark and realistic. Yeah. So I'm very excited about this movie. Lori, did you get like Guardians of the Galaxy vibes from this movie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even when it came down to the music that they were using. I can't trailer. wait for the soundtrack for this thing. Yeah. I'm, I already want to buy it. That the I think they used like two songs in this movie. And they might not even be in the movie, but still, yeah. James Gunn has some great... Uh, choices when it comes to music in his movies i think Mm -hmm. it's going to be very interesting to compare the writing uh, of harley quinn compared to birds of prey and even compared to the first suicide squad movie just seeing how differently uh kathy ann and margot robbie approach the character rather than james gunn i think that's going to be interesting to examine i'm not saying there's going to be a huge difference i'm just saying like it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here And uh, going back to what I wanted to talk about, we have all of this news ending uh, with the trailer. That was like the big shebang for the end of the week, DC News. If Kathy Yan and Margot Robbie have expressed interest multiple times that they want to do a Birds of Prey sequel, and you would think that if they're super excited about it, now would be the time to announce that, hey, it's in the works or where you casted this person for it, but they didn't. So I think that leaves the future of birds of prey in the in the air that that's what i'm getting right now 
I don't think so. I, I feel like right now there's a reason why they haven't really announced or greenlit that specific movie. And it's only because right now all the attention when it comes to Harley Quinn is in this trailer. I feel like once this movie comes out and the following week, that's when we might get news of a Birds of Prey sequel or even uh, another Harley Quinn spinoff movie. But she's a remnant of the Snyderverse. But yeah, so so are uh, other... I mean, okay, even though the Snyderverse is technically yeah, done, ne- yeah, there, yeah. we're still going to feel the ramifications of that. I mean, we're still getting a Flash movie with Ezra Miller. Yeah, well, are we? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure we will, and I'm sure we'll hear more news about it later down the road. But yeah, just because uh, one era of this franchise ended... I still think we're going to get a lot of like Harley Quinn. They didn't have to bring her back or even any of the other cast members here. Yeah, they could have done something just completely different, but they brought back five pretty big people from the first one. Yeah, I think we're still going to have the fingerprints of Zack Snyder in this franchise. I don't think they're going to completely ignore it. So don't be surprised if we get Henry Cavill back. I hope so. Yeah. And I hope we get a Birds of Prey too. I would love to see that. Yeah, me too. All right, and let's actually, before we get into the Kong Skull Island review, we have to crown the winner of March Madness. It's dun, March dun, of the dun, Monsters, dun. and we did a bracket of the top 16 best Godzilla movies of all time, and we left it up to you, the listeners, the Twitterers. Uh, what, is, what do we call it? The Twitter users? Twitters? Yeah, tweeters. And we have determined the greatest Godzilla movie of all time, according to the Twitter polls. It was an uphill battle and some great matchups throughout the last couple of weeks. But we have the winner, and that is the original Gojira from 1954, and it won its bout with Shin Godzilla. I mean, I was going to be happy with either or. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not upset. I was gunning for Shin, but I mean, I'm not upset. It's well-deserved. Gogeta is a masterpiece. I'm very happy it won. If I had to choose between the two, which I did, I voted for Gogeta, uh, which is why I spammed Godzilla's Twitter. <laughs> Every tweet I had, <laughs> I had the notification bell. So anytime they tweeted, oh my God. I was on there and I would just paste the polls throughout <laughs> the weeks. I'm surprised that they haven't blocked me. But I survived, and yeah. I'm happy Gogeta won. So congrats to Gogeta. Round of applause. All right. Now let's move on to Kong Skull Island. Uh, scientists, soldiers, and adventurers unite to explore a mythical, uncharted island in the Pacific Ocean. Cut off from everything they know, they venture into the domain of the mighty Kong, igniting the ultimate battle between man and nature. As their mission of discovery soon becomes one of survival, they must fight to escape from a primal world where humanity does not belong. The cast includes Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, and John C. Riley, directed by Jordan Vogt Roberts. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, we finally are ditching the origin story and we're kind of starting in a a new way for Kong. Obviously, this is to set up a Godzilla versus Kong movie. And I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty solid. It's not bad. It's a very fun movie. Yes, it is. 
So I had just watched this movie and then I did a little bit of research on the director here. So Jordan Vogt Roberts, the director here, he was actually approached by Warner Brothers to make a Kong movie. And beforehand, he doesn't have any full-length movie credits to his name on IMDb. He's only done indies and shorts. And he's the one that actually pitched the Apocalypse Now setting. He said, you know, let's put it in Vietnam in this time period. And Warner Brothers just said, yeah, let's do it. And so very funny. He even talked about how Warner Brothers went out of their way to contact the Vietnamese government for permission to shoot in Vietnam. And in fact, a lot of these shots that you see when they go to Skull Island are locations in Vietnam that have never been shot on film before. Whoa. Yeah, so I was uh, knowing that and thinking about the movie now, I can see um, those locations are beautiful. I mean, I'm sure Vietnam is a beautiful place. I hope to go uh, see it one day. But yeah, visually... This movie is great. Uh, a lot of these frames, you can actually frame. <laughs> you can yeah, put up dude, on your wall oh as God. art. Even the I'm poster about here. That helicopter sequence. Yeah, the poster's great. I love the poster. It's amazing. I kept the time on it because I was watching it on HBO Max. And mm-hmm. I think we don't see Kong until like 30 minutes in. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally, I, was, I even played it back. Right on the 30 minute mark, you see Kong. Whoa. And then you see <laughs> a tree going straight for a helicopter. Yes. Boom. You see Kong. Whereas other movies, you have to wait maybe like throughout half of the movie to get a glimpse of Kong. But no, yeah. here he's in all his glory and it's beautiful. I loved it. The design too. This is my favorite Kong design. He's a mean man. He's a mean monkey man. Oh, yeah. And we have a stack cast here, too. Have I ever seen John Goodman and Samuel Jackson in a movie together? I don't think so. You would think that you would have, but I, now that you say that, I I don't know. And them sharing a couple scenes together, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was pretty cool to see. I'm glad they were able to do that. That's great. But John C. Riley, I think, steals the entire show. Yeah, my issues with this movie lie in the characters. I, I think that's always been like the, the weak point for any Kong movie. Because they're so focused on getting Kong right that they just kind of forget about the humans. And Brie Larson and Tom Hiddleston are our protagonists, but they just kind of do nothing. They're just kind of there, and they don't really we don't really see their perspective at all. Even though they're kind of it's weird. We focus on them for ultimately not do that much and not really have that much of an impact. So yeah, Kong, uh, Skull Island. I love it. It's uh, I love Brie Larson. She's probably my favorite part about it. I, I like the approach that she took uh, in this movie. I miss some of the, it's not exactly, when it comes to it, I miss some of the, the grand scale. I, I miss the Empire State Building. I miss seeing him scale something, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I get that too. Yeah, and he's also, though, I feel like this is like one of the scarier, scariest Kongs, the most unapproachable one. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, Kong is, a, Kong is a monster in this movie. He's a monster in this movie. Uh, and you know what? When it comes to a lot of these, these this, this is a lot of people's favorite one. I can definitely see why. The CGI in it was amazing. 
you cannot take that CGI away from anything. Uh, but I have to say, at the end of the day, though, of course, the original Kong is always my Kong. But I, I like this one. This is probably right up there, though. This is probably my number two. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston and Brigitte Larson. Yeah, their their chemistry's okay. Uh, nothing groundbreaking when it comes to relationships. I think there's better ones in the other Kong movies, if I'm being honest. And yeah, and for characters, I think the most well-developed character here for me is, of course, John C. Riley, especially the end credits where you get to see him finally come back home and meet his family. That was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Also, though, is Samuel Jackson, I thought. He lives a life of being in the military his whole life and being at war. So when he gets to take this another job... Very selfish of him. Him and his crew were like one day away from going home. Mm-hmm. And then he takes up this opportunity to escort this... Paleontological or whatever they were doing. Yeah, um, which I, I guess it's... Well, no, because John... It was all a front. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it later revealed John Goodman was there for other reasons. Yeah, Samuel Jackson takes up this job and he will not quit once he gets his eye on Kong. He's like, okay, that's what I have to beat. I think it's an ego thing. Yeah, but like, to me, this was the kind of cliche bad guy that you were saying the 76 one had. To me, it was mm-hmm. just like, what, he's sore about losing Nam, but that's all that he really has. That's his only character trait. And so he wants to kill this giant 25-foot ape. I don't know. There's something about that that just, I need more. I wouldn't like more of an explanation as to why he really would like to. Or maybe just, like, flesh that out a little bit. I think just all the characters, except for John C. Riley, need a lot more fleshing out. The, the movie opens on John C. Riley's character. Yeah. What he says later in the movie, that's what we see. Them landing on the island. Yeah, going back to Samuel L. Jackson, I do like the little banter that they have, uh, him and Brie Larson, where Brie Larson kind of says, like, didn't you lose the war? And Samuel L. Jackson's like, no, we abandoned it. Brie Larson's like, yeah, sure, okay, whatever. And you can tell that really stung him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that there's enough motivation for me from Samuel Jackson to kind of justify what he was doing, except towards the end where he was like, no, if the world knows what this is. Yeah, that's when it was like, okay, we need something more than just I'm sore about losing Vietnam. But the logic behind that too was like, not only was it him, but he had a whole family of giant apes on this island and the world did just fine. Exactly. <laughs> so we can all just literally leave. But yeah, he, there's a hyperfixation on uh, with Samuel L. Jackson's character. Yeah, it's just more so of a character thing. And I think that's what all these monster movies, any time that like there's any lackluster part of a monster movie, I think it's always the human characters. So I think that's like to be expected. I kind of faulted King of the Monsters for the same thing. Yeah. All the monster stuff was there and it was great. The shots that we have of Kong, like, it's like they set up a tripod in the middle of the helicopter while it was falling down. We just see it all through the door of the helicopter. Yeah. During, dude, I loved that sequence. That was so cool. Yeah, that's when we first get our first glimpse of yes. King Kong up and close. And he, like, he, yes, and oh my god, what, there's a lot of good Kong stuff in here. If, if you love kaiju and monster movies, you're gonna love this movie. It gets a lot right. Yeah, just that shot that kind of they replicate here in the poster is when he kind of gets up and you have the rising sun behind him, and he's a silhouette, and you have the helicopters going towards him. 
that was so cool that's probably the best scene of the entire movie and i feel like after that when the group kind of goes their own separate ways is kind of when it kind of dips in energy yes definitely there was so much momentum and then it's like okay what do we do from here yeah and uh, maybe they wanted to they didn't really know what to do between that and the end because even the end which by the way is great i love the scene where it's the mama or the giant uh, skull crusher versus yes, Kong. The skull walker. Yeah. I love the design of those real quick. Those are great. They're terrifying. Yeah. No, they are. Definitely. And the end where Kong uses the uh, propeller of a naval ship as a weapon is yes. freaking awesome. I love the little references to like you see Kong getting chained up for a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. Like you can tell the the director really knew his history of Kong and his love definitely. for it. Because there's definitely a little, not, they're very subtle references, which I'm very happy with. Yeah, instead of like, remember this? It's very, like, it's very, they use references and nostalgia to their benefit. Yeah, and honestly, this one, I would put it at number two along with Lori. Because I don't mind, I didn't really miss the... The whole origin story of him going to New York, climbing up the big tower and falling off. I think maybe because the past couple of weeks I've seen it already three times. Well, this is the fourth Kong movie and the past three, it's been the same story. Yeah. So the fact that they did something new with this Kong, I appreciate it so much more for going that direction. Even I didn't even mind the the setup at the beginning, gathering the team to get to Skull Island. No, that was that was pretty well done. Yeah, I, it, it was all like, it, yeah. I think it falters after that big scene when you get introduced to Kong and when the crew gets split up. That's where the problems for me kind of go, where the characters are not as interesting mm -hmm. up until they meet John C. Riley. And he's the shot in the arm this movie needs, man. He was usually he can be a bit much, but he was perfect. Oh, there's a scene because Brie Larson plays a photojournalist and she comes up to the ship right before they leave and they have to make it a point where one of the guys says, oh, I was expecting. And then Brie Larson's like, oh, man. Oh, OK, at that point, did, it was did you catch the Trump reference? The very first line oh, of the movie, John Goodman, he says, yeah, Yo, what like, is he saying? There will never be a crazier time in Washington. That's the first line of the movie. And I was like, oh, my God. I literally Already? did a Jim Halpert to the office, like, look at the camera, even though the <laughs> yeah. camera wasn't there. I kind of, like, rolled my eyes and was like, really? Yeah. Yeah, things like that, too. They don't overdo it at all. Most of it, it's, it's like, during that first act. But even then, still enjoyable. I highly recommend it to those that love kaiju movies, love monster movies, and just enjoy some Kong action. There's not a lot to talk about this movie. Not really. I think it's it's a easy movie to talk about. There's not much here. Kind of like the uh, with the Peter Jackson one, he was doing a lot, but ultimately there wasn't much. And I think that's kind of the same thing. They were trying to do something more than they actually got. I think uh, the end result is weaker than what they had envisioned. Yeah, I can't say this is a bad movie. No, not at all. It's it's a fun time, definitely. There, there's a huge lull for the second and the first half of the third act. Yeah. But that that first act and the last like 30 minutes of the movie, last 30 to 45, 
are are great. I think they make up for it. Yeah, like some of the creatures too, besides Kong mm-hmm. and the Skull Walkers. They're so, not just dinosaurs. They're just, they're like creatures. They're like implemented into the environment as well. One of my favorite character designs yes. was the bamboo-legged spider crab Oh thing. my God, that was so cool. Dude, for it being PG-13, it gets really brutal. It gets away with a lot for PG-13. <laughs> yeah, that scene where the bamboo egg goes through the head of a soldier and the way that yeah. shot too is horrific. <laughs> yeah. Also, the random scientist guy that wants just to go home, he gets pterodactyled by a weird-looking bird and just gets torn apart in the silhouette of a sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This movie is probably the most brutal out of well, thinking about Peter Jackson. I mean, no, not even compared to Peter Jackson. No. You see a man get his limbs ripped off. Hey, poor natives too. They can't catch a break. And hey, they're friends with the John C. Riley. They did the natives, I think, tastefully in this one. Yeah, they look cool. Out of all of them, it's the best representation of yeah. them. Yeah, and at least they look cool, like the designs, like the face paint. Yeah, and-, and they have like a whole no talking thing. There's depth given to them, other than like Peter Jackson's <laughs> kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow, look at the waveform on that. You're going to enjoy that one. Yeah, they're not monsters from a horror movie. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> yeah. I like... The village here, too, where, oh, you get the wall, right? Like, the big wall. But this time around, it's not for Kong. Like, here, in fact, Kong is, like, a, a god to them. You know? Yeah. They're, he's, like, the savior of Skull Island. And I kind of like that, too. I, I like that more than even the original, where they just fear Kong and they want to give him sacrifices. I love here how they love Kong. They put respect on Kong's name. Finally. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has kind of a hero's journey because, like, before you get, like, his whole backstory and, like, this is his lowest point, right? And then he has the the final battle is him over. It's completing his journey. Most of it's told off screen, but we get to see the, the finishing parts of it. Lori, you saying that about not being the most approachable Kong. Now I'm, I, ha- I have a scenario in my head and I want you to kind of answer a question for me, okay? So you walk in a bar, Absolutely. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you see four Kongs, right? Mm. All, all four of them are eyeing you, right? You, you got the mm-hmm. 1933 Kong. You know, mm-hmm. you got the horn dog mm-hmm. from the 70s Kong, okay? Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of a kind of deal. Yeah. You, you, you got the Peter Jackson Kong, you know, silverback. And, and then you have, as you say, the unapproachable Skull Island Kong here. Which one are you going with? peter jackson's is a sensitive man because of course i'm gonna go for the skull island kong i i always go for the bad boy this answer went in a completely different direction than what i thought sorry what were you gonna say (laughs) okay i'll try again (laughs) i thought you would have said the 76 because you know he's well no no i i think 70s he uh he's a little too problematic for me he, he has a lot of baggage that I think he needs to kind of unravel himself and work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas the, the Peter Jackson Kong, uh, he's the Peter Jackson. He's, a, he's, yeah. a, he's yeah. got a lot of. He's sensitive. He he he's a little too. He's too clingy. You know. In 1933, he's just kind of a playful, goofy guy. He's he's the guy you're gonna have fun with all the time. 
I feel like I would end up like, okay, so I walk into a bar, I see these Kongs. <laughs> I feel like the one that I would end up like vibing and talking with would of course be the Peter Jackson one because he's like the teddy bear, you know, silverback little, yeah, you know. Uh, and, and I'd really like him and uh, but he'd be into me way more than I'd be into him because out of the corner of my eye I'd just still be looking at this Kong the Skull Island Kong yeah. like oh my gosh what a beast he's a monster yeah <laughs> and I'm like well, I'm sorry what were you saying Peter Jackson Kong <laughs> and he's like yeah you, you can just go you can just go with him that's <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. What? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry for your loss. Your cat died. Your cat died. Before you, yeah. Okay. <laughs> before you go with him, I I paid all the drinks. By the way, I've. Uh, <laughs> Aww, that's Peter Jackson's con. You're so great. Yeah. You know what? I think we're gonna be friends forever. <laughs> good, good friends. <laughs> and then watches you walk away out the door with Skull Island Kong. <laughs> I'm I'm I stayed behind to do her laundry. I was about to say that. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> If anything, this gets me very excited now for Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, because they said, because I think the main complaint with God with Kong fighting Godzilla was like, how did he get that big? But after watching this movie, it's like, oh, he's like a 25 foot ape now, but he's not even done growing. He's going to get much bigger. And that's why he's as big as Godzilla in the next. Yeah, when I first when I finished watching Kong in the theater, I watched this in the theater. Oh, like John wow. C. Riley says the line like, "Oh, he's he's still growing." I'm like, "Oh, okay, there. That's it. That's all you have to say." Yeah. Well, so pretty much, Kong is like a pup at this point. Yeah. Which I love. Uh, he he's been through some stuff too, though. Poor guy. He he really one has. One of my favorite scenes is where he tries to grab one of the helicopters, and the blades just yes. cut up his hand. Oh, love that so that much. That was great. Little things like that. I exactly. I love. And then like when he's uh. When he's drinking water right before he has to eat a octopus, yeah, he creates a waterfall from the water falling through his fingers. I love that so much. Kind of gives you a grand scale of the monster. And he just ate a whole ass octopus. I loved it. I, I love how he ate a tentacle. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna take this and take it to my to my beach house." Yeah, he, he just drags it <laughs> yeah. home. I loved it. Yeah. Kong in this movie is fantastic. I, yeah, this is my favorite Kong out of all of them. I agree with Lori here. I would love for Godzilla to go visit Skull Island and for them to just fight there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see. Have all the monsters live on Skull Island? Yeah, so I wonder if, like, if that's the origin of Godzilla, too. Like, I wonder if that's where he came from. Mm. I, I hope they explore that, maybe. Uh, the final shot for Godzilla versus Kong. This is my dream, is that Kong and Godzilla are holding hands after defeating Mecha Godzilla. Okay. And they're walking into the sunset. We see their silhouette, and they're both on Kong's. Uh, they're both on Skull Island, and all the monsters are uh, looking at them, and they're just walking off into the sunset. That'd be lovely. They're walking towards Skull Island, like in the sunset. No, they're in Skull Island. They're just walking. They're just taking a walk. Best friends forever. Yeah. Yeah, and it it kind of makes me sad too, because like Kong in the new movie, he's all old and gray. Yeah, and like seeing him here, he's all lively, even though because this is like what forty years later. Yeah, like forty, fifty years later, depending on like what the timeline is. But yeah, a good forty exactly. to fifty years. So let's say let's say Kong here is a teenager, 
So yeah. now he's going to be like 50, 60, maybe even 70. Okay, boomer. <laughs> That's all Godzilla and Kong are, a bunch of boomers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this got me very excited for that movie. And I really hope... I, I'm rooting for Godzilla still, but I don't want Kong to die. My heart says Kong, but my brain says Godzilla. Neither of them are going to die, okay? I hope not. I really hope not. It's going to break my heart to see either of them go. And how mm-hmm. many times has Godzilla died? <laughs> yeah. Kong has died at the end of all of his movies. <laughs> he never wins. Godzilla at least gets some victories. Kong never wins. Yeah, they just kind of except in they this kind one. of just revive Godzilla every now and again with radiation. But Kong, not a good time to be Kong. Yeah. Right now. So like, I, I guess yeah. Like final thoughts. Now we're going into the, our next one. Is that's it? Godzilla versus Kong. Final thought. What What do you think is going to happen? What What are you expecting? I'm honestly, I'm just expecting kind of like what I've been already expecting. Or what I already have gotten from these movies, I'm not expecting the greatest human characters because I never have. If I do, that's great, cool. But we're all there to see Godzilla and King Kong to fight. That's all that we're there for. It's the name of the movie. We're not, it's not humans versus Godzilla versus Kong. You know, it's Godzilla versus Kong. They're the main focus. And yeah, I think that you just hit the nail right on the head. Before we wrap it up, I want to get into. Kong's film rights history. Ooh, okay. All right, really quick. Welcome to class. Take a seat. Grab a pen. <laughs> Kong 101. Grab a pen and some paper. Write down some notes here. All right, so here is a little history of King Kong's film rights. So not only does King Kong change history and film and culture forever, but it saved RKO Pictures, which was on the brink of bankruptcy in the midst of the Great Depression, right? So fast forward to the 1970s. Now, both Paramount Pictures and Universal Studios, or Universal Pictures, coincidentally approached RKO at the same time for a reboot. Now, both projects were granted, but once Universal found out about the other studio's remake, a lawsuit ensued. This led into a legal battle between RKO, Paramount Pictures, Universal Studios, and also Cooper Estate which was wow. at the time held by Robert Cooper, who was the son of Miriam C. Cooper, who is the creator of King Kong. Not only that, Universal was granted rights to the name and character of Kong, as well as merchandising rights and theme park rights after purchasing the property from the Cooper estate. So that was done. The legal battle was done. But in the 1980s, Universal filed a lawsuit against Nintendo for the likeness Mm -hmm. in name and story of King Kong through Donkey Kong. But a judge ruled that even though Universal owned the rights to King Kong, the studio did not trademark the name. And since the video game character was not causing confusion or taking away money from the movie character, the case was thrown out. And also, the judge ruled that Universal was using their power like they're enforcing their power that they made universal pay the legal fees on behalf of nintendo wow so they had to pay all the legal fees from both sides so i thought that was pretty interesting holy crap so after postponing that reboot from back in the 70s they finally got to make their own reboot universal studios with peter jackson in 2005 so like 
this whole legal battle, I'm pretty sure there's a reason why they waited 30 years because they were still paying off that whole big old lawsuit. So not only are, do you have to pay the Cooper estate, but also the legal battle against Nintendo. So they were just all this trouble just for King Kong. And now Kong Skull Island is produced by Legendary Pictures and distributed through Warner Brothers, but only through permission from Universal. I was about to ask. Universal still owns King Kong. So they're still getting a cut of this too. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're getting they're, you know they're getting wow. a big cut. So that's why when uh Godzilla versus Kong is done with, Godzilla goes back to Toho and King Kong goes back to Universal and Warner Brothers is again left empty-handed. Yeah. I mean, this is like one of their big movies on HBO Max, but I mean, they they can't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. This is like once in a lifetime thing. It really, wow, it really is. But yeah, I, I just thought it was pretty interesting how this character, King Kong, like how, mu- how much history it's had. Ever since his uh, inception. Besides all that, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited for this movie. I'm actually going to watch it in Dolby, a Dolby Ooh. screen. So I, I plan on watching this in IMAX. I, I kind of want to watch in IMAX too, but I've never been to a Dolby screening. So I'm, True. I want to... See how it goes. I'm very excited. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Are are I'm are you excited? I think I'm way more excited about this movie than you are. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm excited for it. I'm I'm I've been looking forward to it as uh, you know with the whole bracket and re- reviewing these movies, now seeing what uh the franchise history behind the two. I'm now more excited than I was. Um but I'm not like over the top like holy crap, holy crap. But I'm still like super excited. I want this movie to do good. I, I want this movie to be good, um, and I'm at the end of the day, I'm just looking to have a fun time with my monkey man and with my lizard man. <laughs> yeah, me too. And that's going to be it for us here. And before we go, we keep forgetting. Dario! Oh my goodness. Dario, he has been, I'm sure he's been watching all the Godzilla movies and all the King Kong movies, and yet we haven't asked any of his opinions this whole entire month we have been celebrating march of the monsters without even talking to dario we we've just got caught up <sighs> dario we'll get you next time okay i promise i swear we'll get you next time okay he's right here with us he's in the same room yeah but we'll we'll, we'll get him yeah, next time next episode we're a little short on time here we we have to wrap it up mm-hmm. yeah yeah i got to be somewhere soon yeah so Save your breath, Dario. We'll get you next time, okay? But yeah, I want to know what everyone else thinks around here. Talk to us. We're talking to you. The least you could do is acknowledge us, listeners. (laughs) So get on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let us know what you think on our social medias about this movie. And you can find me on Twitter. You can uh, give me your grievances and arguments. Uh, You can do that on Twitter at Jackson underscore DML. You can find me on Lori underscore Guajardo on Twitter. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter at DylanMM5. And follow us on our social medias at Cinema Show Live. Use the hashtag and show us some love. Give us some likes. Give us some follows. Rate us five stars on uh, Apple Podcast. Uh, download the episode. Put it in a playlist and loop the yes, playlist. Yes, download and put it. it on very low volume. Uh, we're going to do it Justin Bieber's tactic. Uh, we're going to steal that uh, to boost our numbers. So if you could just do that for us, guys, that'd be great. You're given to a good cause. 
<laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that's going to be it for us here. Uh, this is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective, and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow.